You are listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 2212 South Broad Street. For more information, visit us at circleofhope.church. And it's such good news. Mm-hmm. Because this, uh, this day marks... Uh, a revolution, really. There's so much. There's so much cosmic significance to what Jesus was was doing and is doing, and it and it and it and it meant uh, the beginning of of a turning around of the social structures, the political structures, everything that was holding us down is being recreated and made new. So Jesus he, Jesus started this new thing happening in the world that we're still getting a chance to, to get into today, even though we have not experienced the fullness of it yet. So in addition to it being Palm Sunday, we're also coming to the end of this, this season of talking about spiritual disciplines as ways to liberation. And that, that's been our theme all of Lent, and we're coming to this, to this discipline of, um, the, our spiritual discipline for today is guidance, and specifically communal guidance. Um, and then next week, it'll be celebration for Easter. And I, I think um, the timing of it is just working out so well, um, because Jesus really gives us I think hope for the of the of the possibility of being guided communally together here on this Palm Sunday. We get to see um, a glimpse of it happening, and I'm grateful for that I, because I, I think we need hope of the possibility of being guided together by God because when we look out over the world and even the history of the church. There's so many abuses of power, right, in leadership. And so it's, it's kind of scary to think about, like, being guided together, this whole idea of communal guidance. Um, I, think, I think those, those abuses of power in groups and in systems and organizations make it real tempting um, to just try and have a purely individual life um, and to, to think that God can't really guide people together. It's too scary, right? Um, so we, so I, think, I think we have a great like, instinct to kind of shield ourselves from the scariness of groupthink and the messiness of community, you know, all those terrible possibilities of getting hurt um, and affected by others when we already have trust issues, all of us, right? And so it's tempting to think, like, to just try, kind of try to make ourselves as small as we can, our, our lives kind of um, protected from communal guidance. But also, we know that it's not really possible, right, to have a, a, a purely individual life because... Where, you know, the human 
as human beings, we, we are like pack animals that, that are, we literally need other people, right? We're designed for community. Babies like literally don't thrive if they, are, if they don't have emotional attention from caregivers. Um, so, so we're interconnected in so many ways in, in spite of ourselves. And so I think it makes sense as we look back through history and uh, in the scripture in particular, we can see how God did guide people together. Like this did happen and it is possible um, to be led by God together into liberation, even in our great differences. Yes, our individual experiences with God are really important, but simultaneously, we discern God's will and presence in powerful ways with others. And so we're, we're still going at it. We're still going for it. If you think about the way that human beings work, the way that we work, people don't just naturally move together in the same direction usually, right? A leader, oh, I think I, had a, I, think I have a slide, Josh, thank you. It's the spiritual discipline of guidance. Um, a leader or purpose is often like, the, like needs to be made known in order for this to happen, in order for people to be guided into good, good things together. Um, a leader or purpose must be not just like made known, but kind of lifted up so, so people can see it. And I think that's why Moses, um, Moses put a snake. Remember that Old Testament leader? He put a snake in the, the desert when, the, when his people were wandering around. People were getting bit by snakes. And God told Moses, if you put this snake up here and people look at it, they are, they're going to be healed. For some reason, they, that would protect them from um, you know, dying of the snake bite. And so I think that's where we get our medical symbol, right? See, Hilly? I think so. <laughs> um, and so I think that's why Jesus said, if I'm lifted up from the earth so that people can see me, I will draw all people to me. And of course, he was on the cross. We often need to see something beyond ourselves in order to have hope for ourselves. I know I do. And I think that's why Jesus, that's what Jesus is providing in this great big dramatic entrance into the city on this day. He's letting people see him, you know, after years of kind of doing quiet miracles and then telling people to be quiet about what he's doing. On this day, he's coming out and he's letting himself be fully seen even though he knows it's going to get him killed, he's, he's, he's now coming out and he's giving us a clear reference point for leadership and guidance that we can count on. And he, he's going to show us what, what it's all about and how to, how to actually do it, how to actually follow him in this wild way. And much to our surprise, over and over, God's leadership and guidance is not in great forces of power. 
um, or autocratic rule. His power is in self-giving love. And in this moment, the, the, the thing that is sticking out to me more than anything about Palm Sunday this year is, is the image of Jesus looking out over the city with tears and weeping. He's standing, before he rides into the city, he stands on the Mount of Olives with his friends and he's looking out and, um, and he says, Jerusalem, he's talking about the people, how I longed to gather you as a mother hen gathers her chicks, but you wouldn't let me. You didn't want it. He's so grieved um, that his own beloved people don't really recognize him and what he's doing. You know, they, he knows that they want only a, a military savior who's going to, you know, overthrow the oppressive Romans. And so they don't understand the depth and breadth of what, of the salvation that he's trying to bring. I think it's so interesting that he compares himself to a mother bird here. Um, you know, one of the strongest instincts among birds is their desire to protect and provide for their young um, especially birds that nest on the ground, like domestic hens, they, they keep a sharp lookout for danger and they let out this call. When they see something like a hawk circling overhead, they let out this call that signals all their little chicks and they can fit a lot under there that, that they should come in and, and find safety um, beneath her wings. And, and I mean, look at how happy that little guy is so adorable under the safety of the mother's wings these little chicks can can also find shelter from the rain and and the hot sun and i so i think jesus is comparing himself to to a mama bird because he wanted to offer to people that that same kind of spiritual shelter and protection in the truth of his love and care. He wanted to teach people how to come to him for refreshment on a daily basis, like DJ meditates, um, for refreshment and rest from the anxieties and burdens of our daily lives. He's inviting us to keep and exploring, to keep exploring and discovering what he's offering together. And I hope we keep doing that as a community, you know, long, long after Easter is over, to keep exploring the kind of guidance that, are, that is under these wings, not just for us, but for our culture, for our world. And I think he's also guiding us by how he shows up in the city of Jerusalem that day. You know, he asks for a little donkey to ride on. Not, not a military, an impressive, you know, mili military horse. He asks for a little colt, which seems to me like getting on a skateboard for your triumphal entry versus this $13 million Bugatti Cento DAC. 
So this is not, Jesus is not a person who is going for status and power um, or influence in the way that we are taught to value. This is something different, something freer, something more with us as a people. Like who can, who can afford that Bugatti? Jesus is with the people, the regular people. And the people on that day are, are endeared to him, like, like I think we are now. They see the strength in his humility. They, they, they love him in this moment. Their hopes are a little misguided, but, I, but hope is hope, right? They praise and worship with what they have, just as, we, just as each of us do now. And I love Palm Sunday for this reason. Um, I love the strangeness of it and, and, and even the fickleness of the people. Like Sony was saying how, you know, in a couple days there, these same people are going to be saying crucify him. I think Jesus, Jesus knows all that and he's embracing them anyway. We see this, we see like humanity here in all of, its, in all of our crazy duplicity. But we see how Jesus loves them. And that's the point. I think that is the point of Palm Sunday. He loves these fickle people. And the love of God is always more the point than, than the attitudes or, or actions that, that we respond with. And, and I wish we, we as the church and religion could, would really get this, that the love of God is big enough to hold all of us under her wings. I think this sonnet by Malcolm Geith describes it well. I'll, I'll read it to you. Um, Jesus, how Jesus is guiding us by his tears, guiding us to be merciful, to grieve, to even let ourselves cry, um, to see the deeper wounds and longings I, you know, in the midst, in the midst of all the mess. Jesus comes near and he beholds the city and looks on us with tears in his eyes and wells of mercy, streams of love and pity flow from the fountain whence all things arise. He loved us into life and longs to gather and meet with his beloved face to face. How often has he called a careful mother and wept for our refusals of his grace. Wept for a world that, weary with its weeping, benumbed and stumbling, turns the other way. Fatigued compassion is already sleeping while her worst nightmares stalk the light of day. But we might waken yet and face those fears if we could see ourselves through Jesus's tears. We might waken yet. I think that is the invitation in Holy Week, that we could wake up to the love of God, deeper, stronger, wilder than we've ever known it, and follow in that way. There's still hope.
But what is Jesus crying about with us? I'm sure you can, you can already sense it in your own life, um, what burdens you and the things that you cry about. I was thinking about our entitlement to weapons in our country that are even taking children's lives in schools. Jesus also grieves the cruel judgment of sexuality and gender without understanding. Jesus grieves systemic racism that makes life harder for immigrants and people of color in our country. My Korean niece who worked like over 10 years uh, like through multiple grad school programs just lost her job um, that she worked so hard for over some like glitch in immigration paperwork. Yeah. Jesus grieves people's fearful assumptions about each other, the way trauma reverberates in our bodies and minds long after harmful events. Jesus grieves the materialism and greed that motivates so much of the inequity and the harm we do to the earth. Jesus grieves our addictions and our attachments to stuff that doesn't really satisfy. Jesus grieves our fears of really being present and patient with each other in all of this. Hey, TJ. And how, and how we can leave each other alone in our struggles too much. And so how can we be, how can we be guided by Jesus together? As, you know, beyond letting ourselves grieve over all this, which I think is an important invitation in Holy Week too. Jesus grieving hopefully gives us permission to do that this week. In our grief, I think he's also guiding us to look and to listen. We're, we're guided by the Spirit by listening together, like actually listening. And I think, I think this might be the main work of the church, like actually listening. Um, Jesus was clear, but it's, it's hard to do, right, in our impatient world where we're just talked at so much with, you know, just so much information coming at us all the time. We're called to listen more deeply to the mind of God, which Jesus says can be known if we listen and wait, if we search it and wait. I was learning this week, um, or I was reflecting on... Uh, and feeling grateful for the way that Quakers, the Quaker tradition, like in their meetings, they, they pretty much just listen. It's just a, a silent meeting. And they listen for the Spirit of God to speak to them. Some of you guys are really familiar with that tradition. And lo and behold, God actually speaks. And... Um, this actually happened in a really important way right here in Philadelphia in 1758. The Philadelphia um, Society of Friends was having their annual business meeting and they were discussing slavery among other things. Um, and John Woolman kept hearing 
from God in this meeting, in their listening together, that the church of Jesus must totally disconnect with this demonic practice that um, wasn't just sweeping the nation, but had been literally part of the founding of our nation. And he was hearing that the church needed not, not just to disconnect and decry this practice, but to repay those who had been held in slavery for their labor. He was like maybe one of the first guys to talk about reparations. Um, and he didn't give up on this impression um, from the spirit until everyone agreed with him in the meeting. He kept, kept bringing it up bringing it up until everyone agreed that yes, that is what they were hearing from God too. Can you imagine what a different place our country would be today? Like if all the churches, if all the Jesus seekers actually took time to listen like that? To listen to the Spirit of God and the Spirit of God in each other? It, it can be done, and I think it must be done. We must take time and space to listen, to, ex to expect God to speak to us. Um, and, and to make our response, whatever we want to do or say, secondary to what God is saying. I was listening, um, I was trying to listen in prayer a few weeks ago, um, and asking God to kind of show me, like, uh, and the story, like in an image that we could that we could look at together, that we could picture about like where we are as a church, like what's our story, um, and um, you know we've been talking about this spiral. I felt like what God gave me was this like was this image of a circle opening up. You know, we're, we've been called Circle of Hope all these years. But we've gone through these big changes, and we've, we've heard a real call from the Spirit to keep changing. Um, and, and so our, vi our vision team affirmed this, and we've been trying to work with it in our stakeholders' meetings to um, get more specific about what we're, we're hearing from God and, like, what's been happening among us. You know, of course, this doesn't tell the whole story, but um, it's one way to think about it. And, and it kind of connects with the arc of every good story, that there's this call to change, and the change is always difficult, and there's always misunderstandings that are really difficult. Um, but the rewards of staying on the faith journey become evident as you, as you take the risk to keep stepping forward in faith together. And so I think, I think as we do that together, we are opening up. We are opening up as individuals and as a people together. Hopefully seeing things that we didn't see before. Hopefully we are opening to others who didn't feel included among us before. Um, hopefully opening to a deeper commitment to listen to and depend on the Spirit more than we had before. 
beyond, beyond our traditions and attachments. And of course, we'll have to keep doing this, you know, like, like five years from now, 10 years from now, it's not like we ever arrive at this place where we like know everything. <laughs> we always have to keep opening and changing and, and the spirit can, can guide us to do that. And so I think Holy Week is a good time to sit with this invitation. What, where is God leading us? What, what, what are we letting go and what are we moving toward? Um, one thing that strikes me about what we're letting go is that nobody owns the church. Nobody owns Circle of Hope. Um, not even our best leaders. It's not like our church per se, right? This is a movement of the spirit. This is a movement of love that flows from Jesus all over the world. And so all we need to keep doing is looking to him and listening to his spirit in order to be guided together. And so as, as we come to his table today, I invite you to take a palm, one of these cool palms, and stick it, stick it in the cross if you want to. Or you can take it home if you want to. Um, maybe you need a little reminder closer to your heart. Um, but take one as a sign of your worship that you acknowledge and recognize Jesus' presence. We, may, we don't have to understand all that he's trying to do. None of us, none of us do. It's, I think it's, it's too big. Um, or even how he does it. But I think he is going to try to make it simple this week in ways that each of us can understand for what we need. And so, and so as you take one um, home or stick it in the cross, we're saying with this palm that we see him and that we love him and that we want to try to trust him for whatever's next in our lives, for the healing that we need as individuals and together. We want to, we're, we're saying with this palm, we want to try to trust you, Jesus, for the opening that we long for, too, in our hearts and in our church. We want to trust that he knows the way and that he's going to show us and I want to close with uh, this amazing thing I learned this week about the gate that Jesus came, ooh, came into on into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. He came through the East Gate, and um, this gate is now closed, just like it, it's all you know boarded up like that, just like Ezekiel the prophet said it would be that hundreds of years before Jesus went through it on Palm Sunday. And, and many Christians believe through other prophecies in the scripture that when, that when Jesus returns, he's going to come back through this gate and that the, the uh, rocks are going to crumble, um, kind of like the psalmist predicted there in Psalm 24, but I think it's so amazing um, that this gate is also called 
the, and by Christians and Muslims in the area, like the Golden Gate, the Gate of Mercy, the Gate of Repentance, the Gate of Eternal Life. This one, the East Gate. And um, I think it's also no coincidence that the other, the way to get on the other side, what this, what, what this gate connects to is the Temple Mount. And that was, that was Jesus' first line of attention. We're talking about repentance, and, and as when, he, when he made this entrance into Jerusalem, he went straight to the temple, and he kicked out all the money changers, and, and, he, and he said, like, repentance has to start here. The, hypo- the hypocrisy in the church and in religion has to go. Religion has to go because I'm, I'm what's happening. Love is what's happening. Don't hang on to your traditions more strongly than you hang on to people and justice and mercy. And so that gate connects right, right to the temple. And Rand, I, I want to put a plug in for Holy Week here. Rand is going to talk more about that part. Jesus is teaching in the temple tomorrow night. We're going to have observations all throughout the week, just hour-long opportunities to get more into Jesus' story, and Rand's going to lead um, from that story tomorrow night at 7.30. But when Jesus comes again, and I do believe he will, um, the words of the prophet Zechariah will be fulfilled. He said, I'll pour out upon the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of answer to their prayer. Remember the people on Palm Sunday were crying, Hosanna, which actually means, Lord, save us. They were crying out to be saved. They, they, as much as they were worshiping, they were hoping like, and asking Jesus to save them. And the, the prophet Zechariah is saying, that that will happen. We will be saved. And he says, they will look upon me whom they have pierced and they will mourn for him as one grieves for their only son. And in that day, there will be a fountain opened to the people of Jerusalem. And of course, the people of Jerusalem mean all of us. Through, through Jesus, he opened he opened up the story not just to the Jewish people, but to the whole world. And so there will be a fountain of salvation open to everyone. I think that's where this story is going. And that's where Jesus is trying to take us. That's where Jesus is trying to point us to today on Palm Sunday and all, all week in Holy Week. That everyone will be saved. So I pray that we can, we can um, let, let him battle for you this week. I love that. I love that verse too in, in Psalm 24, that the Lord is strong and mighty in battle. Jesus is going to do for us this week what we couldn't do for ourselves. So as the team comes, I want to... Um, I want to invite you to come to Jesus' table... 
to take, take his broken body, make it your home, and also take a palm branch if you want to. Um, stick it in the cross or take it home with you as your acknowledgement, your recognition of Jesus and the salvation that he is bringing. And you could, if you want to write a confession, we, we started that last week and I think it's always a good practice. You could keep, you could, there's, there's paper and pens over there. You could do that and stick it in the cross. Um, and as they get going, I want to read you one more poem. This is a big, big poetry Sunday too, I guess. called Palm Sunday. Now to the gate of my Jerusalem, that seething holy city of my heart, the Savior comes, but will I welcome him? Oh, crowds of easy feelings make a start. They raise their hands, get caught up in singing, and think the battle won. But too soon they'll find the challenge, the reversal he is bringing changes their tune I know what lies behind that the surface flourish that so quickly fades self-interest and fearful guardedness the hardness of heart its barricades and at the core the dreadful emptiness of a perverted temple Jesus come Jesus come break my resistance and make me your home. Let that be our prayer this week. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected, visit circleofhope.church. You can also find us on Instagram or Facebook at circleofhope.net.